It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 at News Talk, WSB, 69 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your garden, in your landscape, in your trees and shrubs and flowers and pest control and whatever effort you're doing outside. If you have a question about what you should be doing or what you shouldn't be doing or what you think you might should be doing and you're not quite sure, or if you need an excuse not to do something, all of that. I can help you. All you have to do is call 404-872-0750. On Twitter, you can hashtag AskWalter, and Ashley will scan through the Twitter feed during the day, and we will get your question answered that way, too. 404-872-0750, or hashtag AskWalter on Twitter. I was asked a, a very pertinent question, which brought to mind something that I hadn't just hadn't noticed, hadn't thought about. Uh, it was three days ago now, when somebody said, look, I've got this container. I planted basil seeds in it ooh, easily two, maybe almost three weeks ago now. She said, I planted this basil seed in this container out on my deck. There's been plenty of rain, and the basil the plants that have come up are barely, barely an inch and a half tall. And she said, they, they don't look right, she said. The leaves on these basil plants in my container just don't look right. They seemed a little light-colored. And so I took a look at them, and I thought, oh, man, face plant, face palm, they haven't been fertilized, or they were fertilized when they were first put in with miracle Grow, And the miracle Grow over the last three weeks of constant, just about every other day, rain has washed all the nutrients out of that soil. The soil is completely sterile, nutrient-free, and those little basil plants have sat there for probably a week and a half, not being able to grow at all because they just haven't, don't have any nitrogen. They don't have any nutrients to give them some energy to go ahead and put leaves on. And so I thought that was a very, very common probably thing to mention to lots of people, that even if you fertilize your container plants back when you put them in. Now maybe the the slow-release things like osmocote, that would be a little bit different because osmocote many times even if you have excess water, will still retain and will release nutrients over a period of time. But if you use miracle Grow, like I do sometimes, to plant your annuals and you haven't fertilized in a long while, there is nothing there. It's all been washed out. The miracle Grow has been gone, gone, gone from the soil. And so you need to come out and fertilize. It's going to rain a little bit this afternoon, it looks like. And so if you have not fertilized things in a while, think about that. They could use some some food right now. Your plants, your annuals out front, your container plants out back, my little lime plant that's in the container on my deck, it could probably use some fertilizer because it needs some, some nitrogen and phosphorus and potassium to make it grow. So that is a word to the wise, my friends. If you have not fertilized, it's time. Go ahead and do it. Another sort of shout out here for the slow-release fertilizers like the Osmocote time-released uh, granules and the uh, Miracle—not Miracle Grow, but uh, Milorganite and uh, the Hollytone. Those are pretty slow-release fertilizers. That no matter how much water they have, they still don't release their nutrients <laughs> very quickly, and so they might have a little less 
a little uh, more, I should say, nutrients left in them. Even so, I would go ahead and fertilize again, even if you used milorganite, even if you used holitone, and maybe even if you used osmocote when you fertilized and put your plants in the first back in the spring. I still think they're probably a little low right now on their fertility. Same thing goes for garden plants. If you have a tomato garden or corn or peas or most anything else that you would fertilize once or twice during the growing season, wouldn't hurt to put a little fertilizer back on them to make them happy too. Yeah, interesting things to know, interesting things to do. If you have broken limbs, and this past week I saw through one, two, three trees, one oak, two Bradford pears that had great big limbs, great big four, five, six inch maybe limbs that had fallen out of them. No cars, no houses and anything like that was damaged during the limbs falling out. They were just right there by the by the street. And I thought to myself, if the person who owns these limbs, knows what they're doing, the very first thing to think about after you've cleaned up the stuff that's on the ground is have we left a stub up on the tree itself? If you look up on the tree trunk, if you see a little stub where the branch broke off a foot or two, maybe from the trunk of the tree, if you leave a stub, that is a wonderful, wonderful place to get a hollow tree eventually. Because what happens is the stub it just stays there, you know, year after year after year. It collects rainwater, that ragged end where the limb broke off. And as the rainwater rots the end of the stub, the rain will penetrate through the center of the stub. It'll go through the center of the stub, and the center is connected very tightly with the center of the tree. And so that stub rot goes in from the stub into the center of the tree, and then the water goes right into the center of the tree. It starts rotting the center of the tree. Down, 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 down it goes. And within 20 years, maybe, you never think about it because you don't see it because the water is coming in 20 feet above your head. But if you don't think about it, the water is still coming in, rotting the center of the tree. And one day you have a nice, uh, you know, nice windstorm that comes around. You think everything's fine, and you look outside, and that big tree... Boom! is down on the ground, and you see nothing but a great big hollow in the middle of it. How did that happen? How did that happen? Well, it's all because of that limb that fell 10, 15, even 20 years ago that the stub was left. So when a limb falls out of a tree, the best treatment you can do is to go get a ladder, get as high as you can if you feel comfortable, of course, doing this. If not, then hire somebody to do it and go up in the tree and cut the stub just just beyond where it comes out of the trunk. And I'll tell you what to look for. There's a little collar, a little collar that goes around the uh, end, of the, end of the limb where it comes out of the trunk of the tree. And that collar, right at the edge of that, is where you make your cut. It leaves a little bump on the tree trunk. And that collar is where the new growth will come. It'll seal up the hole and won't allow any water into the trunk of the tree. So you try to make it seal itself. That's how trees heal themselves, is by cutting right there on the outside of that collar and then letting it grow and seal and not let any water into the interior of the tree. And then, 20 years down the road, you won't have a tree falling down on your head or anybody else's head. Speaking of heads, let's go down to Spalding County and talk to the head gardener, our head friend down there, my friend Nicole. Hey, Nicole, good morning. Miss Arise. How are you? Fine, fine. Your good voice came back. I'm so glad. Who's the good boys? What do you, you mean? Oh, yes, of course, my voice. It's better. It's, sometimes it goes up and down, but for right now, my voice is doing fine. All right, all yeah, right. Yeah. What's going on with you, Nicole? Well, um, that's the reason why the grower used the granulate. Uh, for 
for uh, hang on. <clears throat> but anyway, doggone it. Um, I want to talk about peach trees. Peach trees. We got lots of them done in Spalding County. Incredible, Mr. Reeve. Didn't get hurt at all. Uh, I mean, there's so much peaches. Wow. Uh, there's not, not enough people, you know, because they always say, you know, get 250, only have 50 this right, year. Yeah. But the place that I go, it's Olonville. It's, uh, they've been growing peach for 50 years. And I was talking to this lady that she said, uh, Peach usually twenty years, and they change, they uh, alternate the uh, soil. They don't, they won't uh, plant back peach right. at the same site. They they're gonna alternate because they worry about disease buildup yeah. and they worry about insects and things like that. So they alternate the types of peaches after about twenty years. That sounds about right. Yes, yes, and uh, they've been doing that for a good fifty years, and uh, they were really successful. And you see a lot of uh, uh, um, older people, bus, go and pick up peach and blueberry, and they have blackberry, too. Sure. And we need to encourage them because it's all year-round work, isn't it? <laughs> it's all year-round. Not picking. Picking is just the harvest. That's where you get the food. But the rest of the year, you're fertilizing, watering, planting, uh, controlling weeds, just doing all the things that you need to keep the plant healthy so that you can have peaches and blueberries and blackberries at the end of the Same thing as blackberry. They have two kinds, the earliest kind, yeah. and now the other kind start to get ripe again. Yeah. But, Mr. E, there's nobody to go and pick it up except me and the Chinese people <laughs> from New York. <laughs> I swear, I just more food on the ground. Right. And this is not lucky to waste food like this. Not, not at all. And then one of the I might mention this, Nicole, on my website about two years ago, three years now, I um, made a collection of all the pick your own farms that I could find around Georgia, and listed them and asked them, you know, what do you specialize in? What are your hours? How much does it cost if they have that? And so, if folks want to go to WalterReeves.com and just type pick your own. They should come to a page that lists all the pick-your-own places, and you can call and see, do you have peaches? Do you have blueberries this year? Are they doing, is the crop doing all right? So people can take their kids out, because it's a wonderful thing to do. This is a Fourth of July weekend. It's a great excursion for the family. Uh, there was a family over there. I don't know, probably three or four generations, you yeah. know. And then they tell the kids, don't feed the, don't pick the green one. It was just <laughs> so much fun, you know. <laughs> we don't need no phone on the farm either, right. you know. Oh, boy. And uh, uh, the blueberries, there's more blueberries on the ground. And wow. they are big. Wow. And the water, sometimes there's too much water, the blueberries split, they isn't split, it? Right. And you have to pick them pretty quickly after that, or the blueberries will rot because of fungus gets into the split, so it's important to come out there and get everything picked and keep the fungus from attacking the rest of the blueberries. And next door they had a sunflower farm, Mr. Wow. You never saw sunflower in your life. I bet all the bees and the animals flying, they're all right. there. Wow. One sunflower is like a So you need, before we part, Nicole, tell us the name of the farm that you went to so people can know where you went. It's all on Veal of 362 past William Williamson, and the name is Greg Farm. Greg Farm. They have an ad in the market bulletin. Right. Huh. Nice people, I'm sure, and they make it their business to have all sorts of things to entertain the kids when they're tired of picking the blueberries and tired of picking the peaches and they're sticky. And one of them got stung by a wasp. <laughs> they're thinking, what are we going to do now? 
most of these pick your own places have rides and a little you know petting zoo and things like that that you can uh, you can enjoy there we get out of the heat and uh, get cool but i agree with you nicole this is a great thing to do at this time of year take the kids out learn let them t- pick their own crops pick their own food and enjoy the enjoy the fourth of july weekend mr reed is wash sleeping at night Pretty much, yeah. They can't see very well, so they they just rest. I think if you go and mess with the nest at night, if you you know bump it a little bit, they'll try to find you and try to sting you. But they mostly don't do anything at night. Oh, I got stung twice in the same end. Man, I don't even recognize my ends anymore. Man. Well, I have something. I had to do something. It's a utility building. Yeah, right. So just run. Be, yeah, run, run, get as, in, in as dark a place as you can because they can't see very well. So the darker you are with your clothes and the darker the place you go, then the less likely they are to be able to see you. All right. <laughs> Nicole, i got to get out of here at 620, but it's been a great time talking to you. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your 4th of July weekend. We'll see you soon. 404-872-0750 is the number. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Lower chance of rain today than there was yesterday. Certainly rained a lot at my house yesterday. 40% chance high today, 86 degrees, low overnight 72. Tomorrow, a mix of sun and clouds, high of 88. Stay tuned for the July 4th weather. We'll have the full weather forecast in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. David and Tucker joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, David, good morning. Uh, good morning, Walter. Uh, speaking of forecast, yeah. I've still got some space uh, that's aching for some planning. And with this wacko weather, I was wondering if uh, what's the long-term forecast for the summer uh, as, you know, how reliable it will it be. And uh, will we have an extended growing season this summer? So maybe there's something I can plant now that normally I wouldn't? I think so. I think there's plenty of time for squash. I think beans could be in there. There's even, if you had a tomato that was reasonable size, if a nursery has one a foot or foot and a half tall, I don't see any reason why you couldn't plant tomatoes right now. Um, yeah, you never know from the forecast. Is it going to be dry in August? Is it going to be miserable in September? We don't know, but... As far as I know, Kirk has not proclaimed that it's going to be a terrible drought this year. <laughs> and so if you've got a little bit of water, I wouldn't have any hesitation to put some of the vegetables, replant them, and put them out there. All right. Great. Thank you. What, have you got any blueberries, David? Uh, no, but I'm kind of looking at maybe doing something. Yeah, I'm thinking blueberry. I wanted to compare your experience with Nicole just now and her blueberries, as she said, are just all over the place. And I had one plant that had big, big fruit on it. I mean, big as your thumb fruit. I was really pleased with that one. And the other ones were not all that great, a little finger size and smaller. And so I just wanted to see somebody else and what they what their experience was nearer to my house because you and Tucker are close to my house and just wondered how Yeah, I've got neighbors with them, but I haven't gotten any reports back. Yeah, well, all right, keep your eye out and plant me some plant me some blueberries to give me a report every year. All right, thanks, sir. All right, David, great talking to you. See you soon. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take David's place or hashtag AskWalter on Twitter. We'll be back after news. Life, make it swing, make it swing. 
the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 636 at News Talk WSB, 69 degrees outside. Looks like not so much rain today as it was yesterday, but we'll get the forecast in just a few minutes. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your garden. All you have to do is call 404-872-0750. Matt's out in Conyers and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Matt, how you doing? Whoops, wrong button. Let's try the other button. How about number four? There we go. Hey, Matt. Good morning. Hey. Good morning. Yeah, my question's outside the garden. I planted a couple, I think they called them harvest, uh, yellow maple trees yeah. two years ago. Okay. And the tree itself is about 15, 20 foot tall and probably a good three to five inches at the base. But the tree has basically died. I got no leaves oh, on it this year. Yeah. But I've got a root ball of, I guess, saplings right. off the root. Right. Should I just cut the whole tree down and start over with a, a new single tree, or can I save one of those saplings off each tree? A lot of it depends on where the sapling originates. And I'll tell you why. If the tree, you cut it down, and the little sprouts that come up are coming from the trunk of the old tree, then they are really only attached to the I don't know, the original tree by the bark. That's not a great attachment at all, really weak. And they'll fall over within 10 years probably because they get too tall and they're just attached to the bark, not to the soil, and so down they go. On the other hand, if their sprouts are coming up from a foot or two away where the root sprouted and came up, then those saplings are pretty well attached to the ground. They're as attached as anything else around that's rooted into the soil. And they're ones that you could keep. And so the only way, I guess, to figure it out is to get a little hoe or a mattock or something and dig around beside it and say, where are the roots coming from on the sapling, on the sprout that I have right here? If it's in the soil, you're in good shape. If it's coming from the trunk of the original tree, uh, cut it down. Cut it. Okay. Awesome. That's perfect. I I appreciate your help. I had had an interesting question similar, very similar to this last week in my biweekly newsletter. And a lady in Brooklyn, New York. You don't think of me getting questions from Brooklyn, New York, but I got a question from a lady who said, during Hurricane Sandy, all the seawater came over her neighborhood and most of the trees died, including her very favorite ginkgo tree. She had a really great-looking ginkgo tree, it sounds like. And she cut it down, cut it down to the stump, sort of like you did with your trees, and it sprouted multiple little ginkgo sprouts, one, two, three, four, five, six bunches of them coming up from the stump. And she said, can I cultivate one of these sprouts to become the new trunk of a new ginkgo tree to replace the one that I had to cut down. And I gave her the same advice that I gave you. If the sprouts are coming from the trunk, they're attached to the bark, and they're not attached to the soil, and they're going to fall down. And so I said, look, you got a really pretty ginkgo bush there. It really looked nice, Matt. It was about four feet high and five feet wide, covered in green. I'm sure in the fall it'll be covered in yellow, yellow leaves on it. And I said, lady, you need to just leave this thing alone and don't make a tree. Make a ginkgo bush. You'll be the only ginkgo bush in Brooklyn. You're the, you're the one with that. So I'm hopeful that she took my advice and will send me pictures of the ginkgo bush up in Brooklyn. 
Okay, so should I try something similar with one of them? You know, if you wanted to, Matt, bushes are less likely to fall down than tall trees. And if you felt like you wanted to make a bush, I wouldn't have any objection to that. Okay, so should I top it for safety reasons five, ten years? When it's five feet tall, however long that takes, yeah, five, six, seven feet tall, I think is as high as you want to go. Okay. We may try one of those then. Do it for fun. Just do it for the experiment. I think she's doing it for the experiment of it in Brooklyn. We'll see what happens with her, and we'll see what happens with you. All right. Thank All you, right. Walter. Matt, it's great talking to you. See you soon. Thank you. Take care. We got Joe in Loganville. Joe, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, man. Good morning, Walter. i got a, a tie-in question, I guess. got a 20-year-old um, burning bush. Yeah. Took a big hit from the drought last fall. So I cut off the dead shoots, and um, this uh, this spring or this year, I've just got very small buds on the remaining part, but I've got lots of little shoots, like you said, from the roots down at the bottom. Okay. What do you recommend at this point? <sighs> so the little buds are up high. How, how high, how far above the soil are the little buds on there? Well, the, the bush is it's intact. It's about six feet high, and yeah. the remaining... Uh, Branches have rebudded, but the the leaves are real poor. I don't know if it needs fertilizer or patience or. You know, my feeling is is if you have a lot of leaves at the bottom of the burning bush, the top was somehow damaged with drought or the freeze in March or something's going on up there that may not ever resolve itself. Yeah. My temptation is to say slice it off, get it down to where the healthy things are because they're sort of stealing, if you will, they're stealing nutrients as they come mm-hmm. out of the ground and they're going to, in a sense, starve the top of the tree forever. And yeah. I'd be more confident that they would develop into something fun and interesting than I would be if the top of the tree ever would. So if you have a mind to, cut off the top, let the bottom grow. Burning bush is a fast-growing shrub, so you're not losing much of anything. It's going to be real, real vigorous for the next several months, and that's what I would do. Okay. Rivalist question. Do you know anyone who trains thrashers to put the pine bark back when they're done looking for bugs? (laughs) Uh, No, I don't have any of those. (laughs) Don't have anybody that trains to do that. No, I don't. Sorry to say. Sorry about That's that, That's a lazy gardener question. Yeah, yeah. If you could train your dogs to dig holes in the garden for where you're planting your shrubs, that'd be great, too. But I don't have That's anybody that do that okay, either. thanks for your help. All right. Thanks for calling, Joe. All right. Bye-bye. we got Charles in Athens in the Classic City. Charles joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, man. How are you? Fine. Good morning. Good morning. I have a centipede lawn. I put out Scott's weed and feed about two months ago at the proper time. It's, it's done really well. Yeah. I've got about a half a bag left. Can I use it again or what? And it says on the label that it can be used on centipede at a certain rate, right? Because I want to be sure you're reading that label. Because centipede grass, sometimes I'm I'm very cautious on weed and feed products because the weed part, the weed control chemicals, sometimes are pretty touchy about how they're applied to centipede. So I want to be sure you've read the label and followed it correctly. I see. Well, thank you very much. Saying, saying, saying that you have, if you'll reassure me that you have read the label and it can be used on centipede, yeah, I would go ahead and do it now. As I mentioned earlier in the show this morning, with all the rain, most of the nutrients have been washed out of the soil, and uh, centipede, typically it only needs fertilizing once, maybe twice in a season. But you've already done it once, and a lot of that's been washed away, and here we are just June. 
yeah, I think it makes more sense. Let's go ahead and at least feed it, if not weed and feed. If you don't have too many weeds, maybe it'd be better to put a straight lawn fertilizer out there. But if you're trouble with a lot of weeds, then that wouldn't hurt my feelings as long as the label allows. I see, and we have had the rain, haven't we? Yeah, man, we sure have. Thank you very much, Walter. You bet, Charles. Thanks for calling. Comes Judd in Dawsonville and up in Dawson County. Hey, Judd, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. What you got, brother? Um, yeah, I found a yellow jacket's nest in the ground. Yeah. What's the correct way to kill those yellow jackets? <laughs> you want fast or you want experiment? What do you want? You know, I'm probably good with either one. <laughs> well, how did you find it in the first place, Judd? You know, I was just checking some hostas that I have, and I just saw seven or eight yellow jackets flying around right, right. beside them. Right. And they seem to be going back into a hole. Okay. You know, a couple inches away from those hostas. Not one that you stepped on and they came up your pants legs and you had to run across the front yard, nothing like that. I did not do that. All right. <laughs> I was pulling weeds in a raised bed this past week, and all of a sudden my whole forearm was stinging, and I realized, doggone, it's fire it in these weeds. <laughs> And I was. I wouldn't take my shirt off, but I was certainly frantically trying to wipe all those fire ants off my forearm. Man, that was stinging. Okay, for yellow jackets, the fastest, easiest way, if you can find some seven dust. Seven is death on a cracker for yellow jackets, wasps, all the hymenopterous insects, honeybees. It'll kill them all. But just a little bit. It does not take a quarter of a teaspoon hardly but you can put a tablespoon if you want right at the edge of the hole so that when they come out you've you've seen them i'm sure they come out of the hole and they rest for just a minute at the lip of the hole and then they fly away and if they rest for just a minute in seven dust they're going to be dead 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 Okay, you buy that at a big box store? Any any hardware store, nursery, big box store, just say, I need some seven dust. And what they're going to try to sell you, I'm sure, is the aerosol wasp and hornet spray. That works fine, too, but if you spray it onto the plants around it, if you have hosta and things that you like around it, sometimes the, the carrier, the liquid that the insecticide is, is carried on, is a petroleum product, and it will burn the leaves of the plants around. So that's one thing to be cautious if you use the aerosol wasp and hornet sprays. And it doesn't take much. Again, for even the aerosol stuff, you just a little squirt like like that. It's all you have to do. No, no sense in emptying the whole can into the nest or anything like that. You're not going to make them any deader by emptying the can into the nest. Just like that. End of story. Perfect. Thank you so much, Walter. Yeah, man. Good luck. Be careful. We'll see. This is the time of year. Yellow jackets are all over everything, particularly on the 4th of July when you have those nice watermelons and your soft drink and you take a drink out of your soft drink. And, of course, the yellow jacket was in there taking a drink themselves inside your, inside your Coca-Cola. And they come out and sting you on the lip, which is a pretty miserable way to spend the 4th and 5th and 6th maybe of July. So be careful with that. If you see yellow jackets, as I advised just a minute ago, it doesn't take much to kill a yellow jacket. If you want to experiment, you can look on my website. There's at least two or three different ways of trapping them. One lady had a glass bowl that she put over the top of the nest, and she was really great about taking a video to see all those yellow jackets swarming underneath that glass bowl. And it was fun to sort of watch that, but it really didn't kill them very fast. They didn't die immediately. It was just sort of macabre to, to see the yellow jackets swarming underneath the glass bowl, not able to fly out. So if you want to kill them fast, seven dust. Other, I'm sure there are other dust insecticides, but seven is what we've always used simply because it is so deadly to 
bees and yellow jackets and wasps. It just works bang like that. It's 647 at News Talk WSB, our number 404-872-0750. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackman Security. Storm tracker radar all clear right now. Much less chance of rain today than yesterday. 40% chance. High today around 86 degrees. Low overnight 72. Tomorrow mix of sun and clouds. High of 88. Stay tuned for your 4th of July forecast all week long. We'll have our full weekend forecast in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. At 6.54, David is down in Florida and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, David, good, good morning. morning. Happy 4th of July. Thank you, sir. How can I help, David? My wife and I are in the process of buying a uh, property outside of Madison, Georgia, yeah. and she wants to start a wildflower farm awesome. and needs to know about propagation of sunflowers and preferred varieties. Mm, so is she totally 100% sunflower or wildflowers? No, she, she won't be, but she loves those, and I really wanted to start there. Yeah, well, they're easy to grow. That's one thing going in the favor of sunflowers. In my view, you start small, and that means literally the varieties that are smaller. And offhand, there's panda, and there's... Little Jim, and there's, oh, there's two or three more, and I don't know. I'm not a sunflower grower, so I don't know many of the variety names. But the giant ones are the ones where one storm, they all fall down, and everything's real ugly after that. Okay. So okay. a few giant ones just for fun, but mostly stick with the smaller ones from the three-foot to five-foot range. Um, oh, is, is it a springtime planting? Yeah. yeah generally speaking, okay. you do it in um, late April when the ground's warmed up a little bit. Okay. Okay. How how big of a planting of sunflowers are we talking here, David? Well, the the whole wildflower complex should be about twenty acres. Okay, and what's she going to do with the wildflowers? Uh, we'll bring them to the farmers markets here okay. in Atlanta. Okay. Have you sort of gotten contacts with the farmers market and know where your yeah, market's going to be? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's yep, one of yep, the yep. one of the big things is to find somebody that you know you'll be able to sell to before you start planting it for seed. Make sure you know where those flowers are going to go to. You know, if you want somebody to talk to, David, who has done this uh, before, call um, Elizabeth Dean, and she is at hydrangea.com. Okay. That's, that's how you find them, hydrangea.com, at Wilkerson okay. Mill. They're down here in Palmetto, south of Atlanta. And Elizabeth Dean grows cut flowers, or at least used to, and was also growing for a while holly and other burying bushes and shrubs and things like that. And there may be more, I'm sure there are more, who are doing cut flowers and wildflower type things for the market here. I just don't know them offhand of who it would be. You might call the local extension service in Morgan County and say, hey, do you know anybody growing things? There are a lot of little growers around the Athens, Morgan County, Oconee County area that I just don't know. And okay. the extension it, it office. It was Elizabeth Dean, and she is at, at what? Hydrangea.com. Uh, 
Hydrogenated.com. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's perfect because I was looking to find a consultant to kind of help us kick this thing yeah, off. Yeah, exactly. You would do well to have a consultant. And again, calling Extension, the University Extension offices in the counties around um, Madison would be really helpful too because they may know growers and other consultant type people who could help you. And when you're starting a new enterprise like this, you need all the help you can get. And we're pretty friendly people here. We'd be happy to, happy to set you up. If you ever want to broadcast out of Graydon Beach, you can use my house. Oh, tempt me, David. Tempt me now. Come on. You know how pretty Graydon Beach is. You know that pretty white sand is gorgeous down there. Oh, man. All right. We'll keep, we'll keep you in mind. I'll right, keep you in mind, okay. David. Thank you, Walter. You bet. Y'all have good luck. Hope you do. Okay. We'll see you soon. 658 at News Talk WSB. Our number is 404-872-0750. No matter what kind of question you have about gardening, about growing plants, you can call 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news.